0: You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless. <clears throat> so today, we're. Gonna, I know we've been in Colossians. Um, for quite a while. Um, I'm just going to take a small hiatus today out of Colossians. And we're going to talk about something I just I think that needs to be addressed. Um, just in the world in which we live, I, I think that we are, we're living in some strange times. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 is where we're going to go. And I understand that each one of us are pulled in all kinds of directions each and every week. A lot of us have meetings we have to go to. Some of us have things we got to go, jobs that we have to go to, um, things that we have to be a part of, and and in our families we're pulled in weird directions. Whether it's sports, whether it's other activities, school, vacation, um, family time, whatever it is, we've got a lot that is pulling at our lives. And in saying that, I I, want to ask the question, how many of us think about the return of Christ on a regular basis? And the the safe answer in this room is, of course we do. We think about the return of Christ because we're in church and that's some of the things we talk about. But when it's Tuesday at 3.45 in the afternoon and you're neck deep in the world in which you live, and there's things that are happening in the world in which you live personally, are we thinking about the return of Christ and I often would say because I know me and I know my life and I know when I'm busy and I'm in the middle of emails and I'm in the middle of phone calls and I'm in the middle of all the crazy that happens sometimes in my world I'm not necessarily thinking about the return of Christ Uh, and we don't sometimes we may, may not even make that a priority in our thoughts because well we're busy and I can tell you right now I can understand busy I just can. So in saying that, I want to address and I want to talk about the return of Christ today. And I know that that is not necessarily always a popular subject matter in the church because people get little, Oh, wait a minute, Caleb, don't go, don't, don't get, don't get too crazy on us. But I want to say this, Satan does not care how he gets you as long as he gets you you might me say, Caleb, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, so the devil doesn't have me. And that's not what I'm talking about. Well, maybe it is. But maybe he's got you so preoccupied with the world in which you live that you're not thinking about talking about Christ. You're not thinking about the gospel. You're not expressly talking about the gospel with your friends with your co-workers, with your family. Maybe you're so distracted with the world, he gets you to think about life now, and we're really not thinking about life in eternity. So in this text, I want us to look at this. We're going to start in verse 36, Matthew 24, and we're going to start in verse 36. Now, concerning that day and hour, No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So I want us to look at this text. In this text, Jesus is focused not so much on the wickedness of the world in Noah's day, but rather with the people's preoccupation and predisposition in the day in which they live for the stuff of their day. Now, if you're a believer, Satan doesn't... I need you to understand something. Satan Satan will not win the war. The war in it, as of of the whole war, Satan will not and does not win. I've read the end of the book. Jesus wins. Amen? Amen? Okay, I'm just checking if you guys are awake. Um, But he will and can win small battles. He wins small battles in our lives to get us to not think and talk about Christ, to not be obedient, to not be unashamed, but rather to be ashamed. And so there's like small battles that the enemy can win in your life. And so I want us to pick apart this text and I want us to look at this verse. I mean, the first thing you see here is no one knows the day or the hour. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I want us to look at verse 38 specifically right now for As in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Now, I want us to look at those in and of themselves, those things that we're reading. They were what? First of all, they were eating and drinking. Anything bad with those things? There's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things. I love fajitas. Anyone else? I'm... I, chicken or beef, either one, I'm good. But I, I, I love fajitas. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. A good, and a good sweet tea to go with, and I know that that may be heresy in somebody's eyes that I drink sweet tea. But I do, I love sweet tea. My brother thinks that I'm horrible for drinking sweet tea, but are you agreeing, Andy? Oh, you're a sweet tea guy too? Okay, praise the Lord, you're, you're part of the, that's good, all right. But there are certain people that don't think the sweet tea's good, but I do. Man, a good sweet tea with a fajita, You have me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'm easy uh, easy peasy. But I want us to... There's nothing wrong. God created all these things. But what happens is that the enemy takes what God has created and turns it around, turns it upside down and makes the thing the object of worship rather than the creator of the thing. Amen? Like that's the direction. The enemy uses... He uses the stuff around us to distract us as distraction points to get us off of the goal of making disciples. Like the last thing that Jesus said before his feet left the planet was in Matthew chapter 28. He said, go make disciples. Like that was his mandate. He didn't say, go make disciples if you feel like it. He didn't say, go make disciples if you've got a doctor's degree. Go make disciples if you've been... In church for at least 15 years. He just looked at his disciples and he said, You're followers of me. Now go duplicate. Go make disciples. And we can get distracted with activities. And we can get distracted with family. And man, even some of us, I'm guilty, we can get distracted with ministry. We can trade sometimes ministry For an actual relationship with Jesus. And that's dangerous ground. That's a silly thing to trade. I don't want want to trade my relationship with Christ. Because I want to do ministry. How crazy is that? We can get so distracted with the things. That are really okay things. But I want us to keep looking at verse 39. They were unaware until the flood came. And swept them all away. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. I want you guys to hear me. There are so many people that are truly unaware of what's going on and what's taking place in the world around us. They are, furthermore, there are pastors there are pastors in pulpits that refuse to talk about the return of Christ because they, want to, they refuse to talk about the rapture. They reta, refuse to talk about the, the return of Christ. They refuse to talk about the tribulation. And Because, because this is honestly, I believe, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid to stand in pulpits. And people Their congru- congregants might get upset. I believe that those things are coming. I believe the the rapture is a clearly defined scriptural event in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and John 14. Uh, It's the catching away of the church. And after the rapture, I believe that there is going to be what's called the Great Tribulation that will take place for seven years. There will be hell. You think it's bad now? You ain't seen nothing yet. I believe that there's going to be hell unleashed on earth. But we have pastors who don't want to talk about the issue. They skirt around. And the, I had, a, had coffee with a pastor one time. And I said, what are you, what's your view on the return of Christ? He said, man, Caleb, this is my view. What's going to happen is what's going to happen. And I was like, okay. So do you have it? He goes, I, I, don't, I don't want to talk about it because we've got a large church. And they might get mad and there may, the people might stop coming to church. I mean, if, that makes you, if, that may, if that's all it takes for you to stop coming to church, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. But we've got pastors that don't even, want, they don't even want to skirt the issue because they're afraid they're going to offend someone. They're afraid. They're afraid. Rather, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, it says that we should be eagerly awaiting for the return of Christ. And I think there's a reason that so many Christians are afraid to talk about this because we don't want to get lumped in with the lunatic fringe because there are groups of people that are crazy about this topic and they have insane belief systems. One of those guys was really famous in the mid-2000s, Harold Camping. You guys remember that guy? Harold Camping was nuts. Like he just was was a crazy guy. He, he was a date setter. He was the guy that said, listen, on May 21st, 2011, Jesus is coming. And man, because I'm a, I believe Christ is returning, my lost friends, and even some of my Christian friends, who didn't don't believe in the return of Christ, which, I, that's weird, made fun of me. And said, hey, today's your day. I was like, man, today's not my day, and I'm going to tell you right now, I could probably, I'm almost going to guarantee you Jesus won't return today. Because No man... What's the verse 36 say? Harold forgot to mention or read this, I think. Harold didn't check this verse out. But concerning that day and the hour, no one will know, not even the angels, and furthermore, not even the Son. But the Father only knows the day when the return will be. So, May 21st, 2011, came and went. And he got on TV, and everybody was like, well, what happened, Harold? Harold's like, you know what? My calculations were wrong. Let me get my calculator out again. Oh, it's October 21st, 2011. So everybody was like, hey, let's jump back on the bandwagon, and and people made fun. People laughed. People scoffed. And guess what? The return of Christ didn't happen on October 21st, 2011. And... He made prediction after prediction, and they all failed. So we have people that are like Harold Camping. The other guys that write there was a book that came out in 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is going to return in 1988. Guess what? Jesus didn't return in 1988. We've got all these people, this lunatic fringe that I like to call them, that that set these dates, and so people like this guy. We don't want to get lumped in. So when you start to say, and I've had people say this, when I say, they say, do you believe in the return of Christ? They say, absolutely. I think Jesus is coming. And I believe he's coming soon. And I can tell you this, today we're one day closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday. I'm just, yes or no. That's, that's Logic tells us that yesterday and today, I'm one day closer to the return of Christ than I was yesterday. But here's the thing, no one knows the day of the hour. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 we're told that we will know the times and the seasons. We will know what's going on around us because Christ lives in us. And we have it it here in the text for as were the days of Noah so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then he unpacks what all this is. He says they're going to be eating and drinking and not really thinking about the things of Jesus. They're going to be thinking about the things of the world. They're going to be doing all these things are going to be marrying and giving in marriage and and listen, is there anything wrong with marriage? no, it's actually a God ordained institution God put together marriage, there's nothing wrong with it but if your marriage is your focus and you're not focused on Christ there's a problem there's a problem But when we open our mouths and say, "Man, I I believe that Christ is returning soon," people get weird, and they'll go to you and they say, "Well, Caleb, now wait a minute—you don't know the day or the hour." And I say to them, "I never gave you a day or the hour. I just said He's coming. I just said He's coming." Well, actually, here's what I can tell you: is we know the seasons. Second Timothy chapter three says, "Know this: in the last days there will be difficult times." And you just read through. That Here's the thing. Y'all don't believe me. Hold on. 2 Timothy. Go over there and look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this. In the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Like... That, that sounds like what's happening to the people. And then, and then you've got the next group that will say, Well, Caleb, that's always, that's always been there. So you've got the lunatic fringe that's set, that set dates, so we don't want to get lumped in with them. So we just keep our mouths shut. So I think the first reason is that's why we don't talk. And I think the second reason is we've got so many people, and we've got, groups, and we've got a group of people that do not believe in God. Well, they say with their mouth they don't believe in God. The Bible reveals to us in Romans chapter 1 that people that say they're atheists are lying to themselves and lying to you because all of us know by the power of our conscience that God's given us that there is a God. We, we all know that there is. But we've got a group of people that scoff. Turn with me over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter. Go to Second Peter. Chapter 3. I don't hear. Y'all not going there? Come on, let's go. Chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following out their, their own sinful desires, they will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately, they deliberately overlooked the fact that the heavens existed long ago, and that the earth was formed out of the water and through the water and by the water, by the word of God, and that by me and by these means that this these were that these the world that then existed, was flooded with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that, are, that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So we live in a world right now that scoffs at the idea of God in general, but they also make fun of the idea of the return of Christ. I have multiple atheist friends who still to this day razz me about Jesus and razz me about the return of Jesus. And they'll, they'll scoff. They scoff at the idea of Jesus. They follow after their own desires, their own sinful lusts. And they will look at anyone who says that they believe in Jesus and that they believe that Jesus is returning, and they'll say stuff like, Oh man, wait a minute. How many of you guys have heard this? Oh, they've been saying Jesus is gonna return since my grandma's day. Anybody? You've heard that? Oh, they've been saying Jesus is gonna return since my grandma, my great grandma's day. Well, what's Second Peter tell us? Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, following after their own sinful desires. They will say to you, where is the promise of his coming? Uh, Hey, I thought you said he was coming. Where is he? He's not here yet. Oh, wait. They've been saying that ever since the fathers fell asleep. My great grandma is dead. They were saying that back when my great grandma was here. What's wrong with you, Caleb? Stop being. don't Don't get into the hype. Don't follow the hype, Caleb. Quit it. Quit it. Everything's going to be the same as it always has been. It's always going to be normal. Don't. What do you, man? Don't. Don't worry about this. We live in a world right now where people scoff and they make fun of Christ and make fun of His return, and they look at anyone who says that they believe in Jesus or believe that Jesus is returning, and they just make fun of them uncontrollably. And they tell, "Listen, Caleb, I've heard this too." Caleb, listen. Things are not going to be any different. It's all going to continue the same as it always has. You know what that's called? That's called the normalcy bias, or normalcy um, normality bias. Um, people uh, people are saying that. How many of you guys have heard this? Just in the last several months, man, I can't wait till things get back to normal. I just can't wait till things get back to normal. I'm just so ready for things to get back to normal because this whole pandemic is a... Man, it's been a big drain on my life. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And in and, and my heart, I hope the same thing. I hope things get back to normal. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I look at the normalcy bias, and this is the, this is the definition of the normalcy bias. Listen to this. It is a cognitive bias which leads people to disbelieve or minimalize the threats, warnings, and the threats and warnings. And consequently, individuals underestimate the likelihood of a disaster when it might affect them and its potential adverse effects. So, this is the, this is the world in which we live, man. I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. I can't wait. We live in that world right now. People are still to this day saying things like, man, I'm ready for this thing to go back to normal. I can't wait. Guys, we were only supposed to be in quarantine for 14 days. And as of today, I have worked from my house at my job for 132 days. I've worked from home. This morning at Sunday school, Joe said, man, I'm... I'm concerned about what it's going to look like for school that she's a teacher. I don't know what it's going to look like for this next year. I'm concerned about things that are happening. I'm not sure what's going on. There's been a massive shift, and people are just we're still in that normalcy bias, because we want the things to go back the way we want our, our lives back And There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting those things. I, I do too. But man, we've we've got to get our mind off of the world for just a second and say, is God? I said this when this first started. I said, is God trying to get our attention? And if he is, why in the world are we trying to get back to normal? And maybe the new normal is, I need to get my focus on Christ. I need to get my focus on Jesus. We just, not too long ago, had a $9 trillion bailout package that was sent in, in forms of stimulus checks to the American people. And they're now wanting to do another $5 trillion for another stimulus package. So almost $15 trillion in just a couple of months. Where's that? How are we going to pay for that? Where's that money coming from? You say, Caleb, man, you're being depressing. Quit this. this. This is not why I came to church. I wanted you to lift me up today. Caleb, you're not being the pastor I need. Uh, I am. I'm trying to unpack for you what's happening. And I'm going to tell you if you belong to Christ, the future's bright. The future's bright if you belong to Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. There's no, like, you're in. Like, that's the beauty in who Christ is. I'm, and I'm trying to unpack for you what I believe I'm seeing happening in front of us. What the Bible calls birth pangs. Jesus is coming. He's coming. And I would be a horrible pastor if I didn't stand here and say, listen, you need to wake up. It's time for you to see this, that Christ is coming. We have large groups of people that refuse to acknowledge Jesus. And atheism runs rampant in our world. Why? Well, look at the text. It tells us in 2 Peter, they deliberately overlook the fact that the heavens existed long ago, and that the earth was formed out of the water and through the water and by the word of God. Now here's what will happen. We're, this is what is unpacked. They hate God. Atheists, how do, why, do you, why do atheists hate God? They say they don't believe Him. There's nobody in here going, man, I hate unicorns. I can't stand them. Nobody in here is saying that. We just say, I don't believe in unicorns. But nobody's angry. They're, they, they're angry. they hate God. They attempt to just write Him out of the equation totally. How? This new, it was, it was formed by a guy named Karl Marx. Evolution. The idea that over billions and billions and billions of years, it rained on the rocks. And for billions of years, after it rained on the rocks... A primordial soup formed. And out of that primordial soup crawled an amoeba. And slowly over millions and millions of years it turned into a monkey. And then after millions and millions of more years, ta-da, here we are. We're here. And you guys, that trash is pumped into our kids' heads from kindergarten to 12th grade for 13 13 years, 6 to 8 hours a day. And we wonder why our world's in hell. We've got a godless pagan education system that we're shoveling our kids off to. And we're like, man, I don't wonder why little Junior is having problems. Because he's taught every day, all day, that there is no God. There is no God. You came from a primordial soup. And I need you to understand something. I'm going to go a little off the topic here. I need you to understand something. If you're not teaching your children the fundamentals of the faith, somebody else is eager to teach your children the fundamentals of humanism. Period. And I know personally, yes, there are good Christian teachers that are in the system, and thank God that they're there, but they're muzzled Those Christian teachers are muzzled by the system and if they attempt to say anything about Christ, they're punished, ostracized, or fired. Don't tell me that it's a religion versus science argument. Both of these worldviews require faith. Atheists and evolutionists believe in the beginning was, in the beginning was rain, rocks, and dirt. And Christians believe, Bible-believing Christians believe that in the beginning, God created. He said, let there be light, and there was light, because God said so. Both, both are religious worldviews. One worships self and creation, and the other worships the sovereign king and God of the universe, Jesus Christ. Period. Period. It's, it's not either, It's not well it's science over here and you've got your crazy religion. No, they're both religious worldviews. They both take faith to believe in. You say you believe in evolution? That's a, it, it's a religious statement that you believe that over millions of years it rained on the rocks. I believe that 6,000 years ago God said let there be light and there was. And then we've got 4,400 years ago there was a flood. And it rained and it destroyed everything. It was a global flood. Because of sin, God destroyed the world. 2,000 years ago, Christ came and He died on the cross for our sins. And He became our stand-in. And you fast forward and we're here and we're waiting for the return of Christ. Let's keep going. Last days is going to be scoffers. So many people don't want to talk about the return of Christ because the lost world hates the idea and mocks the idea of Christ. They do not want to believe that God created this because if they believe that God created it, they have to understand that there is coming a judgment. If if if, If the beginning of the book is true, the end of the book is true. That there will, be a, there will be a judgment. There will be a day when there's a judgment that comes. So because of that, we've got groups that don't want to address it. They don't want to talk about it. And they're, they're getting to the point now where it, they don't just make fun of you. They'll physically assault you in America. They'll come to your church. There was a church in, on the East Coast, a Baptist church in, uh, on the East Coast, had people show up outside of their church because of the things that they were doing there and physically assaulted some of the parishioners that walked into that the congregants that walked into that church because they didn't like what they were saying it's coming the persecution is coming And you say "Well, no 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 Caleb there's no real per- I get it the persecution is not like it is in Iran I get it but it's getting to that point we're slowly they're slowly desensitizing us 3,000 churches today said, we're not going to listen to you, California governor. We're going to have church. We're having church. Because the governor came out and said, in the state of California, indefinitely churches cannot gather and worship. Oh, but if you want to protest, you can do that. If you want to come into the streets and and riot and and protest, you can do that. If you want to go to the casino, you can do that. There's no ban on that. But going to church... No, 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 no. Stop it. You can't go. The Supreme Court came out and said Nevada said, said the same thing about Nevada today. Or yesterday. If you don't see that a government trying to suppress people from worshiping is not a problem, not see it as persecution, it is. There's begin, that's the beginning phases. And this is when Christians... It's, I'll be honest. Civil disobedience is okay in that case. Gather and worship. It's time for us to say enough is enough it's time for us to get back to what God has called us to do and so we've got two major reasons I've got to stay on my notes if, if, if we've got two major reasons here, people don't want to share the gospel is because they don't want to be lumped in with a lunatic fringe and they don't want to be mocked for holding a worldview that says Jesus is coming many people say just keep quiet keep your heads down and don't address the issue and just live your life Caleb just live your life don't talk about these things. And everything will stay peaceful. How's that working out for us? Are things staying peaceful in the world? Are Christians not standing up and saying anything? By not standing up for the gospel? So how do we... How, do we, how do we, should we be living if we believe that Jesus is coming? Hebrews 9.28 tells us. I'll say it again. i reference that again. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. My question this morning is, are you eagerly waiting for His return? And if the answer is yes, then how should we as Christians be living our lives? If you knew that Jesus Christ was coming, would you not live with a sense of urgency? And sadly, most churches... Do not want to even address it. We want sermons to talk about how we can have our best life now. How we can have financial peace. And sermons on sex. Those are the three big ones. If we can have those three things, man, we're good. We're good. We love sermons on those things. But when it comes to the idea of the gospel of Christ and the return of Jesus, most churches just yawn and say, that's not something I really want to hear. So how should if we if you believe that Christ is coming, how should we live? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. We'll keep going there, we'll keep going there in context. It Says therefore, because I've said all these things above in verse from 38. I'm sorry, from 36 to 39. What do we? How do we? How do we act? Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that the master of the house, had the master of the house known in which part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would have not let his house been broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And right now, the world in which we live, nobody's saying, everyone's, uh, don't talk about things. Things are going to get back to normal. Things are going to be, it's going to be okay. No one is expecting this, that that Jesus should return. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to return. So many people, including Christians, are sound asleep. We have our lives, we have our houses, we have our activities, we have our bank accounts, and we have so much stuff and we're happy. We're happy with our stuff. And there's no sense of urgency in most Christians' lives. There's no sense of urgency for anything about the cause of Christ. And I still contend to you, as I did with m- months ago, like I just said a few minutes ago, this, I believe, is a wake up from God to say, listen, church, it's time for you to stay awake and get up, o- shake awake. It's time to stay awake. We need to get focused, get our focus off of Christ in the world and get our focus on Christ. I'm sorry, off of the world and on to Christ. Our focus needs to be on eternity. And it's high time we take God seriously. It's high time we take our own spirituality seriously. It's high time that we take our sins seriously and we make war on our sins. It's time for us to wake up. I want you to think about this. If you're in the middle, if you have ever had this happen, you're sleeping in your house. You're sleeping. You're sound asleep. And all of a sudden, you hear, boom! A big boom or a thud. Do most of you just, oh. I don't know what that was. I'm going to go back to sleep. Not too long ago, Austin, there was a big boom outside of our house. And I came up out of my bed, and I looked around and I jumped up and I started to open the door, but my door busts open with Austin with this wild, crazy-eyed look with a baseball bat and said, did you hear that? And I said, yeah, I did, buddy. And I was like, don't hit me, please don't hit me, please don't hit me, please don't hit me. He, my, he was in bed, but he moved from being shot and sleepy, uh, his eyes were as big as saucers and he had that baseball bat and he was ready to go to battle. He was ready to fight. So we went, figured out our neighbor was shooting fireworks. Woo-hoo! Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Scared the dickens out of everybody in our house. Me, I mean, my, I went from like having sort of like fast heart to with nose to nose with my son with a baseball bat. To, ah! This is bad. I could die right now. So we it was it was fun. How many of us, I mean, we hear those studs in the middle of the night? Not, I mean, several years ago we used to have a cat. Thank God, we're, it's gone now. But I'm not kidding. We have a we have a big uh, sliding glass door in the back, our back door to our backyard. And I kid you not, I was sound asleep, laying in bed, and it sounded like somebody had shattered the back glass window in our house. And I immediately jumped up. I grabbed my pistol and I walked down the hall and I just said, "Baby, we're gonna get new carpet." And I had my gun caught, and I, had to, I, pulled, I was ready. And I came around the corner, and the cat had knocked off a bunch of candelabra stuff onto our marble entryway. And that sound, and I was just like, nobody would know. <laughs> oh. But the, I, I didn't just roll back over. I mean, I, I, with the thought process of, oh my goodness, someone may have just broken into my house. I didn't roll back over and be like, sweetheart, it's not a big deal, go back to sleep. I was awake. I was like, the adrenaline was pumping my eyes. I was like, okay, I got it. Like, nobody's getting in my house. No one's going to hurt my family. Like, it's over. Let's go, let's go. Guys, there is a war that's happening. And the devil knows that there's a war. He's making inroads into your life right now. And he's actively trying to knock you out. He wants to take you down. And he knows that he can't take Christians out because they're in in Christ. But man, he can destroy your joy. He can steal your joy. He can make your life a miserable just stink pit. That's the child-friendly version. Why is it that most of us are asleep to this idea that we're not paying attention to what Jesus is doing? Most Christians today are like a small baby watching a mobile in their crib while the house burns. Remember the mobile over the cribs? they got like a tiger and a lion and a zebra and, a, and an elephant and the baby when, it, when I'd crank that up Noah and all, all the kids they'd just be like wow I mean I could do whatever I wanted in the room as long as the mobile was going they were happy the house is on fire and we're over there just going wow that's really cool The house is on fire. If we believe that Jesus is coming again, we should be telling people about the first time He came. Now should be the time we go make disciples. Now is the time that we need to be addressing and talking to Christ, about Christ, to people. Now is the time. Now is the time to address the things that are happening in the world in which we live. Now is the time not later now you've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at first baptist church in cedarvale kansas we pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with christ to find out more about what's going on at first baptist church in cedarvale you can go to our facebook page that's facebook.com cedarvale first baptist thank you and god bless